There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into to a new week on the podcast. This is our Monday edition of the podcast. I'd like to welcome each and every one of our listeners, our international listeners, our homeschoolers, our chapel service, commuters, family, friends, husbands, wives, grandmas, grandpas. Children of all ages, we thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a help. We want to be a blessing in this podcast. Folks have reached out even this weekend, letting us know how the podcast has been a help to them. And we do thank the Lord for that. We want to continue in these things. We want to continue to press on for the glory of God. And therefore, we need to continue on in the scriptures that God has laid before us. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9 today, teaching the scripture. And again, if somebody has a question, feel free to contact us, our website, andsomeevangelists.com. And you can either text or call us if you have our number. If not, you can go through the website and contact us. We're going to be back in Hebrews chapter 9. He says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Now, worldly in the sense that it was in earth, it was in this world, All of those things made were made by worldly men with worldly hands and worldly devices and worldly gold and worldly silver, and yet God used it. God sanctified it. You and I are in this world. You and I live soberly, righteously, I hope, live godly in this present world. The world is within us. And how do you live in this world? Because you've been sanctified by truth. Therefore, the isolationist, the cult member, the compound member, Uh, He can't thrive in this world because he's isolated himself in this world, not knowing that the work of God internally is what separates him from this world. The sanctification of Jesus Christ is what helps us to live in this world. Isolation from this world changes absolutely nothing. Recently, somebody said, I like to just go live up on a mountaintop. Well, I've seen mountaintops. I don't want to live up there. I don't enjoy the wind that much, but also it's so far down to the valley. And when you're up on the mountaintop, you got a lot further to fall. And so I've learned to live in the valley. I've learned to live mid-range. learned to live on the mountaintop, wherever God has me. And my friend, that's the way we ought to approach these things. We've been sanctified by truth. Our lives are hid with God in Christ. And folks say, well, the world is pressing in on us. Well, you're a part of the world. So if the world's pressing in, blame yourself. Walk with God, you've been sanctified by truth. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God will sanctify you and separate you from this world while you live in this world, and you can live for God in this present world. I marvel at the Americans that want to build communes and share corn and wheat and go out and have equal time in their gardens and then can together and hunt deer together, and it's all communal mindset like the hippies have. 
And the failure of that, the thing they don't understand about that, is nobody's living in this present world. They live in a surreal world, their own creation, where they control every aspect of it. And yet you look at the believers in North Korea who prosper, the believers in Mongolia that prosper, uh, the the leaders in Africa, the children of God in Africa, saved by the grace of God, 80% Muslim countries, and they thrive and they live for God under the most cruel and vicious regimes there are. They live in apartments in China. Uh, they go sew our clothes or make our stuff for Tamu or Shane, and they make all the things that are so cheap on the internet and they go work in a factory and they make just enough to survive. They go home and eat their rice and then they worship God and serve God and live for God. And, and they say, well, we don't have a commune. We don't have the ability to do that. Well, how do they do that? Because they're in this world, but not of this world. They live according to the course of this world, but not according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And it's not because you're a stick in the mud, it's because you've been sanctified. You've been washed, you've been made clean. That's what a worldly sanctuary is. It's been sanctified, it's been set apart. All those things were tainted by man. All those things were touched by man. They were even hammered into existence by men. They would take that gold and hammer it and forge it and shape it. And then all of a sudden, as the engraving tools come upon that deity, and you see a candlestick, that picture of Christ, it's a marvelous thing. But how, how does it survive? It's been touched by man. How could it be in that, in that holy place? How could it be in that holy tabernacle? Because God sanctified it with that ointment. God sanctified it by truth. Therefore, that thing touched by man, tainted by man, formed by man, was sanctified for a purpose of divine service. The Word of God tells you that. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And so they were each in the sanctuary of God in that tabernacle, each one of those touched by men, each one of those seen by men, each one of those has been sanctified and I love the statement, for divine service. That's what God sanctifies for. That's why you can live in this world, and you can live for God in this world, because you've been sanctified by divine service. I've said times, I've gotten trouble saying this, but I could go sit in a bar if I had to. I'd choose not to. I'd rather prefer not to. But if I had to go sit in a bar with all the drunks screaming and ranting and raving and swearing and breaking pool sticks and getting in fights and, and cursing and reviling and indecent, I could sit there saved by the grace of God. Why? Because I've been sanctified by the word of God. I wouldn't choose that environment. On my best day, I wouldn't choose that environment. But yet, I could sit there and be sanctified unto Jesus Christ. I could still be a light in a dark world. I can still live godly or soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. People say, oh, why would you go there? I made it very clear. I'm not choosing to go there. If I had no other lot in life, I was drugged there, handcuffed to a chair, tied upside down by my ankles. I don't have to be of those people. I can live for God amongst those people. That's such a foreign thing to people today. Most religion demands a, a complete separation. You can't be, they will taint you. They will corrupt you. Oh my goodness, they'll make you filthy. Not if you've been sanctified, they won't. The picture of that is that showbread. Every day they bring that warm showbread in, touched by man, defiled by man. Man's hands have touched it. It's wheat that men picked, barley that men picked, oil that men have pressed. Sometimes their feet were pressing out those olives to make that oil. Can you imagine that? The filthiness of a man's feet? They pressed out that olive oil, and now you're going to bring it before the Lord and serve it on the table of the showbread? It's been sanctified by the word of God 
for divine service. That's the point of this chapter. If you miss everything else, get that. It's been sanctified. It's been, that's how God can take a filthy man. A man is unclean. A man that hasn't physically showered. A man that hasn't clipped his toenails, trimmed his nose, hairs, combed his hair, brushed his hair, washed his hair in seven days. He hasn't read the word of God for three or four days. He hasn't prayed in six days. He hasn't fasted for nine days in his life. He is just unclean and he is raggedy and he is filthy and he comes in and he wants to come into that tabernacle and he wants to partake of that bread. He wants to partake of everything going on in that tabernacle. And somebody's at the door saying, no, you can't come in. And that man can honestly say, I don't deserve to come in. But through Jesus Christ, I've been sanctified for divine service. And my friend, God will bring a man like that to repentance. When he realizes he's been sanctified for divine service, God will bring him to repentance. People say, you're just using, you're just using the extremes. You're just using shock value. No, the reality is a man that has been saved by the grace of God has been sanctified. And he may not show it, and he may not be living it, and God may kill him for it. But my friend, he has been set apart that God can use him for divine service. The most defiled, most corrupted among us. God can set us apart. God can wash us, trim our toenails, trim our nose hairs. More than that, he can wash us internally. He can make us clean. He can take our heart and wipe it, wash it, scrub it. He can take our minds and renew them in Christ Jesus. He can make our mind new again. He can wash our mind. He can purge us from all filthiness of the flesh. He can purge us from the filthiness of our thoughts. Why? Because divine service requires sanctification. I'll tell you why folks have to go live in a commune. They're not set apart for divine service. I tell you, they have to go separate themselves and go live amongst the plains, but they've never been set apart for divine service. And friends, I've known people who are missionaries in European countries where everybody drank wine, everybody drank liquor, everybody drank beer. Somebody invites you over to their house, they'd put two quarts of beer in front of you. It's just the standard practice over in those countries. Uh, they'd take two glasses of wine and set it down in front of them. And the missionary man, he just had to politely say, he said, folks, I myself do not partake of these drinks. But it's your home and you do as you please. And he could sit there at their table with people drinking wine and people drinking beer around him and people eating pork, just throwing that out there for some of you. And he could sit there at that table, be sanctified in the word of God. And slowly he began to reach into that population. Slowly he began to minister to those people. Why? It wasn't what they were doing that corrupted him. It wasn't what they were that was corrupting him. It wasn't the world that was corrupting him. My friend, he's been sanctified for divine service. That's the sanctuary. Then after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. And it needs said here, and I'll just say it again, the Holy of Holies is a place in the NIV that you find behind a curtain and you find a lot of things going on in that Holy of Holies. But what you have never found and what you will never find, you will never find a Holy of Holies in a King James Bible. You will not find it. You will not see it. I don't care who preaches it. I don't care who tries to arrest the scriptures. It has never been found. What you find is the holiest of all. That is not a holy of holies. It is the holiest of all. It is that place that God has demanded on earth. It's the holiest place of all the places because God has set it apart for divine service. What's in the holiest of all? The golden censer, the ark of the covenant, 
overlaid roundabout with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. Again, deity, 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 gold. That thing that God has put within us that had manna. Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. All that has been put in that ark. All of that is in that place in that that holiest of all, that place of deity, that place where that high priest once a year goes in and makes that offering for all of Israel. And he goes in there and makes sure that Israel's clean, makes sure Israel is sanctified. He goes into the holiest of all. And then the word of God says, and over it, the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And it's interesting because we were singing in church the other night, the home church. We were singing that grand hymn, Under His Wings. And I just wanted to lean forward and stretch my arms out over top the man in front of me. And just tears filled my eyes. I thought about those wings coming across that mercy seat. Those wings overspread that mercy seat. And that mercy seat is upon that, that ark. That mercy seat covers that ark. And he said, he's the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims. It is he that dwelleth between those wings. That's the dwelling place of God. That's why he covers us with his wings. That's why he covered him with his wings. That's why he found refuge under those wings, safety under those wings. He found holiness under those wings. Why? It's the dwelling place of God on earth. When that glory filled the tabernacle of God, when that glory filled Solomon's temple, where did it emanate from? It came from under the shadow of those wings. Those wings would overspread that mercy seat, that place that God had made where the blood was going to be. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Where the blood was going to be and it was cleansing for sin and we can be washed from our sin. God would set us apart there because of that cleansing. When he washed us, he made us clean. He sanctified us. And he says, the cherubims of glory shadow in the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. What does he mean by we cannot now speak particularly? You say, you're speaking to this thing. Well, here's the reality of it. The mercy seat, the dimensions were given. And then he tells us of the cherubims, but he didn't go into all the details he went for other items. He didn't go into all the details about he did in the ark and about those staves and about the, the altar, the brazen altar and about the show. But he didn't go into all the details. He just said, this is the mercy seat. These are the dimensions of it. We know that it's gold. We know the cherubims cover that place. And Paul himself said, we cannot speak particularly of this. It was the dwelling place of God. It was a place of the Most High. It's a place that God set apart to meet with man on earth. Jesus Christ is on that mercy seat. That blood is on that mercy seat in heaven. The shadow's done away with. That which is in part has been done away. And now all of a sudden, the mercy seat in heaven is the dwelling place of God. That blood is on the mercy seat for you and for I, for the cleansing of our sin. And my friend, that veil's been rent in twain from the top and to the bottom, that we might have access to that mercy seat, that we might have access to God, that we might have access in the holiest of all to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's the promise of God. That's what he has instructed us with. That's what God has done for us. Where? Under those cherubims. Are you set apart for service? Have you been sanctified or are you just doing everything to power your flesh? Has God truly sanctified you where this world doesn't corrupt you? Or do you have to keep trying to keep the world from corrupting you? Has God set you apart where you can live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world? Or can you not have victory 
without cleansing yourself, without washing yourself, without separating yourself from every filthy being. Now, there's a lot of folks out. They separated from every person they know, and they still don't have peace, and they still don't have rest, and they still don't have cleansing. Why? God has never set them apart. And my friend, when God sets you apart, you'll know it. When God sets you apart, the word of God said this, for divine service, you'll know it was God that did that work. You'll know now that you can go before sinners and you can preach to sinners. You can go in the dens of iniquity and preach to sinners. Why? Because you've been set apart for divine service. And if you're lacking that in your life, you need to get to the bottom of why you're lacking that. I believe God's going to require it of every one of his children. God is going to do that for every one of his children. And there's the key, his children. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com. And use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.